Superman Forever Radio, Episode 108, Nurture or Nature. than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, people believe tall buildings of a single bound, the infant of ship town is now the man of steel, Superman! Hello and welcome to the Superman Forever Radio Podcast. My name is Bob Fisher. This is a show where I talk about Superman from 1938 to Rebirth and beyond. Of course, we don't know what's coming after Rebirth, what they're going to call it after they get everybody rebirthed. (laughs) But uh, you can be sure if it pertains to Superman, I'm probably going to talk about it at some time. Today's topic is Nurture or Nature. And we'll get into that in a little bit, a few minutes. But I want to talk a little bit right up front here about some of the latest news. We've seen the solicitations for April of 2017. Uh, I don't usually read, you know, the solicitations. I don't really want to know the storyline and what's coming up. I just wanted to unfold in the comic as I read it. But this time it included a couple of pictures and you couldn't really get away from them if you're on Facebook. So, gee, I looked at the pictures. And it looks like we have a new tweak redesigned to the costume. So I thought I would talk just a little bit in the opening here this week about not only the new costume, but my kind of perspective a little bit on Superman's costume. I'm not quite sure if there's a label for me or or something. I'm I'm not exactly, uh, uh, you know... a purist, I guess. I, 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 I'm not sure what to call it. Uh, but let's put it this way. I prefer the classic, traditional Superman costume. The one drawn by, well, Kurt Swan uh, and then John Byrne. And actually most of the guys up until 2011. The basic, traditional, royal blue, red cape, red boots... And yes, the red shorts. I like the trunks. Now, the new costume, the tweak that's coming in April, uh, the rebirth costume of, uh, which was okay. You know, they were getting back to basic traditional stuff. But now the, the new one that's coming in April, I think they've even tweaked it a little better. It's getting a little more classic. Uh, and they brought back the red boots because I screamed about it and thought, well... You're getting close, but why would you take away those gorgeous red boots? Why, why, why? I don't know. It's it's almost like they just feel like they can't help themselves. Okay, we're going to do a new super... Let's change his costume again. You know, it, it's just amazing to me. So I am kind of a traditionalist, I guess, when it comes to the costume. I do prefer the trunks being there. And I think, you know... It, It's kind of funny because I think one of the reasons that DC and the people in charge there got rid of the 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 trunks is because they were really tired of the jokes. Oh, Superman's wearing his underwear on the outside, Uh, and I think it's weird that it's only Superman that they made fun of. Every superhero, practically in the DC universe, since the creation of Superman 
has had the trunks. Some were not that different in color from their tights, but uh, they all had the trunks, most of them. I mean, you can go back and you can say, well, Barry Allen, the Flash, doesn't have the trunks. Green Lantern didn't have the trunks, and on and on and on. But when it comes to Superman and Batman, they had trunks. And nobody ever, to my knowledge, said, ah, oh, ha, Batman's wearing his underwear on the outside. Ha, ha, ha. So I guess DC finally just said, okay, we're tired of people making fun of it. So we're getting rid of the trunks. And I think it has personally created more and exacerbated the problem that they thought they had. To me, it has now drawn more attention to that. The trunks were there not strictly because that was the look in the 30s when Schuster and Siegel created the character and worn by athletes and wrestlers and bodybuilders, etc. of the time. It's not the only reason they put the trunks there. And actually, it's the same reason that the wrestlers and the other people wore them for reasons of modesty. And by getting rid of those trunks in 2011, I think it has defeated what they thought they were going to do. That's my own personal opinion. And so what if a few people here and there or Jay Leno or somebody makes fun of them? Big deal. But that's my own personal opinion. The new look in the new costume is better. It is better. They got rid of those stupid little girl cuffs, pointy cuffs coming down over the hand. That makes no sense whatsoever for Superman. They've gotten rid of all those extra lines in the armor. It's more like, again, back to the basic traditional kind of tights. And the belt is a little better you know, but what we're actually saying, it's, it's like, yeah, it's a little better than the crappy versions they've been giving us. And I don't want to say crappy versions. The new 52 for what it was, was okay, but it was too busy, too many lines, too hard for this artist to draw it versus that artist versus this artist. The lines were different. Everything was different depending on who drew it. Now, the new image that we got, at first glance, I thought, oh God, Ramita's back. <laughs> it looks a little John Ramita Jr.-ish. But it's not. But anyway, they brought the red boots back. Thank you very much. Having the blue boots, somebody said, oh, well, that's how Jerry or Joe Schuster drew. No, that, I think that was a coloring error because it took by the second story of the second issue or the third issue or first issue, actually. He has red boots. So they have always been part of the costume. Anyway. There we have it. A new costume getting closer to the traditional look. Uh, But again, the angle from this thing makes it also look like his hair, that should be the curl, uh, looks like he's doing, you know, some modern, let's slick my hair and have it all pointy. It's it's just, you know, (laughs) I just don't get it. You draw a traditional classic Superman and you go, oh, that's great. But then it's like, no, wait a minute. It, it, we need to make some changes. Why? Well, because it's time to change. It's change time. Everybody likes change. Let's change it. Okay, what do you want to change? Well, we got rid of the trunks. Yeah, well, you didn't because now he has trunks. They're just blue. They're just the same color as the tights. Okay, fine. Also, by the way, uh, the image we have, now the two images we have, 
One of them looks very good. It's a shirt rip. Uh, uh, it looks like, um, almost looks like a, a Jerry Ordway image or something. It's just really nice. And uh, behind him, you see Superman with the flag and Lois and Superman with the baby and other images as Superman in the middle is doing a shirt rip from Clark Kent to Superman. And it looks great. It looks classic. It looks traditional. It looks terrific. A nice big traditional S. Uh, very good. But then this other picture... Um, it's okay. I mean, you know, it's better, I think. But, and I think it's going to look better depending on who draws it again, as as it usually does. And I think the simpler costume is going to make it a little easier for other artists to draw him. But we'll have to see. But also, because of the two images we've seen of the new costume, we don't see it from the back. So we can only assume that because uh, the Rebirth Superman, they did bring back the yellow S on the back of the cape. I'm going to assume the yellow S is still there. I didn't really care for the black S on the back or the red cape without the S. To me, if you've got the red cape without the S, it's just a blanket. It's something else. It's not Superman's cape. Superman's cape has an S on it. Now, I prefer the yellow S, but as all of you know, I'm a big George Reeves fan, and I was not opposed to the uh, red and yellow S on the back of his cape. It was the same S that was on the front of the costume they put on the red cape on the back. Not totally opposed to that. Again, I prefer a yellow S, but preferences, right? As long as an S is there, it at least distinguishes that as Superman's cape and not just, a, you know, a red blanket or something, a sheet or something. If you just see a red piece of cloth over there, then it's just a red piece of cloth. If that red piece of cloth has a yellow S on the back, that's Superman's cape. That's the difference. So maybe the S, hopefully the S is still there on the back of the uh, back of the cape. But in in short, I I like the direction that they're going because it's getting back a little closer to a more traditional, classic look. That's really what's going on. April issues, I don't know the storyline. I didn't read the whole story. I just was interested in what they're doing and how they're doing. And I just want to be surprised. I want to read the story as it comes out and not read uh, a synopsis and spoiler review of a story three months before it comes out so we'll see hopefully they will continue because rebirth has been a terrific read i've just thoroughly enjoying have been thoroughly enjoying uh rebirth both action comics and superman uh in fact a lot of them i i said this last time i'm reading what am i reading let me let me tell you here i'm reading uh obviously the super books action superman superwoman supergirl I have dropped the new Super Dash Man. That just really wasn't doing much for me. Uh, so that one is that's gone. Uh, I will be getting Super Sons. We'll see how that goes. That hasn't come out yet, so we'll see. That, but that's coming soon. In the Batman titles, I'm reading Batman and Detective. Uh, both terrific. I'm really enjoying both of those. I think Detective a little more, um, but still liking both of them looking forward to the new batwoman comic 
Batwoman, the current Batwoman is one of my favorite Bat characters. I really like her. I think there's terrific potential here, and I'm looking forward to her new uh, series because I've liked what they've done with her in Detective Comics so far. One other Batman. I'm not reading Batgirl, although I understand it's pretty good, but uh, hey, got to make some, you know, draw some lines somewhere. So. so I'm reading Batman and Detective. Let's see what else. Green Lanterns and Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, I'm reading that. By the way, speaking of Corps, C-O-R-P-S, uh, I looked it up and pronunciation should be Corps. It should be the Green Lantern Corps. But it sounds awkward and weird to me every time I hear it. So uh, I'm going with core. I'm going with the Green Lantern core. C-O-R-P-S is how it's spelled, but I'm still going to go with C-O-R as if it's C-O-R. It's the Green Lantern core. I'm <laughs> uh, reading Flash. Uh, Justice League, of course. Um, what else? Forgot. But, you know, more than I probably should be reading, to be honest with you. <laughs> So, but enjoying Rebirth. So anyway, DC, uh, you're getting close. You're getting back to the basics and traditions, both with the characters' attitudes. And and uh, now you're getting a little closer with the costume. Again, I, I like the newer one. It looks better. We'll be interested to see once it really gets on the page, all the different artists and how they handle it. So I'm sure it'll look better by some than others okay that's it for the new costume that's it what's going on in the news really there's a lot more going on in the news but if you really want all the details of the news of what's going on in the world of superman may i suggest you just get on over to the superman homepage at supermanhomepage.com for all of the latest news about superman up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man of steel and more superman homepage.com is it nurture or is it nature you know as long as humans have been philosophizing philosophizing a word to philosophize <laughs> but as long as humans have been thinking about things like that and doing more than just trying to stay alive, but actually putting thought into certain things. The topic of nurture versus nature has been right there, whether it's in Homer's uh, writings, biblical writings. I mean, for as long as men have been thinking about things, humans, the question of, are you born with these things or are they nurtured into you? Do you accumulate these things are you you because of your genetic makeup or because of the way you were brought up by your parents or whoever brought you up well i think in reality as we all know it's not either or you're not totally who you are because of your genetic makeup and you're not totally who you are because of who uh raised you as they say 
I mean, we all have, we all know people, maybe, or at least of people, raised in a beautiful home, terrific, loving, giving, thoughtful, caring parents. And these people turn out to be bank robbers, murderers, killers, whatever. What went wrong? Something went wrong in their little brain somehow. Something, they jumped the track somehow. Was that their nature to do so? In spite of the nurturing upbringing they had? Well, these questions have been asked over and over and over again for, like I say, as long as humans have been thinking about such things. And when we bring that back to Superman, many people will say, well, it's because of the Kents. Uh, raising, raising, you know, he came to Earth, he had the powers, you, you know, but had he not been raised by the Kents, he would not be the big blue boy scout always doing the right thing. Really? Well, then we have to go back and say, really? Then prior to them writing stories about the Kent, several years into his creation, why was Superman doing the right thing? In the radio show, he jumps out of the rocket ship that brought him to Earth as a fully grown human in his costume. And with the aid of a couple of passerby strangers, decides to take on the guise of Clark Kent, human. The Kents weren't a part of really a major part. They were a one-sentence raised by the elderly couple, raised by the kindly elderly couple. That's the extent of the Kents in the early stories of Superman. It wasn't really until Superboy. But we have seen as Superman in the comics, and we're going to go back to the comics here for a second. Superman was doing the right thing, helping people, using his powers for good, when, as I said, the Kents were only a sentence or two, raised by the kindly elderly couple. But as Superboy came into existence, we started seeing more and more of the Kents uh, and how they may have influenced Superman. Now, of course, when the Donner movie comes along and, and everything started to go back towards that, and they changed Superboy, and then they got rid of Superboy in the 80s. In the comics by that point, Kents weren't even farmers. They, oh, they sold the farm and opened a general store because they were just too old to handle that. They were an elderly couple. They even tried at some point in the, um, I think in the Bronze Age, to turn them young. The Kents became young and then they started writing more and more into that. And then, of course, with the truth, justice, and the American way, the whole idea of middle American values became part of the truth, justice, and the American way and the history and mythos of Superman. And that's when they started saying he is doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do, helping people with his great powers because of his upbringing. Because those values were instilled into him by the Kents, Jonathan and Martha. And that's fine, but that doesn't, you know, uh, answer the question of why he was doing those things then before they even used the Kents as that model and reason. So even that in the 50s when they started bringing uh, the Kents into the, the main thing and doing more stories about them. Actually in the 40s with Superboy. So... That question becomes an important, paramount question in the life of Superman. Would he be Superman that we know? The guy doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do, using his powers for good, not killing, 
because of the values instilled in him uh, by the Kents? Or would he have turned out to be a good guy anyway, regardless of how he was raised? These are an interesting questions. And many writers over the years have looked into that, not only with Superman, but other characters and other stories. As I mentioned, even Homer, way back when, you know, the guy, Homer, the Iliad, Odyssey, all that stuff. He even touched on the fact, not literally, I mean, he didn't say, hey, is it nurture or nature? But in the stories, was it because of the way his mother brought him up or not? Or was it other external influences? Superman, is he Superman because of his genetics, just the nature? Would he have turned out good regardless well, other other writers have looked into that too. As as we know, there there's a fairly famous story out there called Superman. I think it's called Under a Red Sun, where sun is spelled S O N, where instead of the uh, rocket ship landing uh, in a on a farm out in a outside Smallville, found by the Kents and raised by the Kents, uh, the rocket landed outside Moscow in a uh, agricultural commune community and uh, Superman is raised to be anti-proletariat for the people and things like that so he's raised under a communist system and how did he turn out so even Superman stories have looked into this this whole idea of is it nurture or nature would Superman still be super if he hadn't been raised by the Kents how would he turn out well I wanted to look at that and see how it had been handled throughout the history of Superman. And as I said early on, radio show and even in the early comics, the Kents were not even mentioned, really. They were just weren't even there. So how much influence could they have had? It was off-the-page assumptions that you would have to make. So when we bring it back to the nurture versus nature, and I, and I even hesitate a little bit saying versus and using the word or, because I think as we really know, it's not one or the other. So anyway... I thought I would take a look at how a couple of writers, and I look back in my own collection and I'm thinking, what story would I want to read or talk about that kind of looks at this uh, this whole nurture versus nature thing in a Superman comic book? Well, one of them popped up in my brain almost immediately. So I thought I would use that um, as kind of the example to see how writers in the 60s handled this whole idea of is Superman Superman because of his nature, his genetics, what was already part of his makeup, whether he had stayed on Krypton or came to Earth or as I would like to see in a fantasy story somewhere. I wrote the outline one time and I think I'll, I'll say this now to my writer friends out there, Elliot S. Megan, Paul Kupperberg, some of you guys who haven't written Superman in a while. I got a story for you. Jor-El didn't send the rocket to Earth because our science was too far behind where he thought necessary. Instead, Jor-El chose the planet Vulcan. <laughs> That's right. Their science is in the same space sector, but their science was ahead. They were a logical, science-driven culture. Jor-El sends his child to Vulcan because... He thought he would have a better chance of survival, learn more, and they would be more acceptable to an alien coming to their planet. So I think that would be an interesting story. 
So Elliot S. Magan, Paul Kupperberg, get writing, get to work, okay? It's a great story, I think. But anyway, when I started looking at what comic, what story I wanted to talk about to kind of bring this home as far as uh, my own personal ideas. Of course, I go back to my childhood and one of the stories that made an impression upon me as a child, or yeah, I guess I was about 10 when this came out, nine or 10. And once again, I was a little surprised. I thought Edmund Hamilton wrote it, but was very surprised when I uh, looked it up and found that Jerry Siegel once again wrote it. So it's once again, my great favorite team, Pretty much, you got Jerry Siegel writing it, Kurt Swan drawing it, Mort Weisinger, editor. And it's Superman number 137. And we're going to get into that in just a second. I regret to say, sir, Batman and Robin are not at present available. What? Oh, surely you, you must be jesting. Alas, sir, I am not. Gotham City is overcome by villainy on the comic page from the likes of the Joker, the Riddler, and the Penguin. As they run rampant, only one man has the courage, the gall, and the skills to face the Silver Age. Hi, I'm J. David Weeder, but you can call me Dave. If you haven't guessed, this is an overly dramatic promo for my show, The Dave Cave, a Batman podcast looking at the tales of the dynamic duo from the Silver Age. Come back with me to a time when Batman was less grim, Robin was content to wear hot pants, and the villains didn't rip their own faces off. Each episode will examine a tale from the pages of comics such as Batman, Detective Comics, The Brave and the Bold, and World's Finest Comics. It's all the bat action, bat adventure, and bat puns that you can handle on The Dave Cave, available at thedavecavepodcast.com, iTunes, or the podcatcher of your choice. The Dave Cave Batman Podcast, because in the Silver Age, there were no limits. Holy unsatisfying ending. This is an imaginary podcast, which may never have happened. The Shortbox Showcase. But then again may have. About a father and daughter. I'm Professor Allen. And I'm Emily. Who came from Ohio and talked about comics. Walking Dead, Tintin, Black Lightning, White Tiger. It tells of their rise to glory when the great guests were yet to be booked. Let's put it this way, Shogun Warriors wasn't going to win any Eisners. And the great feats of editing not yet performed. This is Ultra 7, this is Ultraman Jack, and this is Ultraman Taro, and this is Ultraman Leo, and this is Ultra- Of how they spoke at length. This continuity is really the brainchild of nitpicking nerds the world over. But to be fair, the best kind of confession is the Force Confession and reviewed in brief tales that explore creatively the bounds of a given character's history. Red Sun is wonderful with a very strange ending. Of brilliant creators before their fall from grace. This is the era where Miller is at the height of his creative and artistic powers, and the ability of strong writing to encapsulate and transcend its time. Flash of Two Earths by Gardner Fox. This is an imaginary podcast. Aren't they all? Shortbox Showcase is part of the Relatively Geeky family of podcasts. Check us out on the web at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search in iTunes for Relatively Geeky or Shortbox Showcase. And remember, we're not experts. We're just family. Superman number 137. May 1960. 
Actually shipped March 17th of 1960. Cover price 10 cents. The Two Faces of Superman. Writer Jerry Siegel. Penciler Kurt Swan. Inc. John Fort. Edited by Mort Weisinger. Footnote, we have a little special spotlight on Mort Weisinger coming up in a future episode of the Superman Forever Radio podcast. So stay tuned, boys and girls. an astounding three-part novel featuring Super Baby, Superboy, Superman, and three other characters who will amaze you. Chapter 1, The Super Brat from Krypton. So you thought Super Baby was the only super infant on Earth? Well, guess again. There's another one called Super Brat. Chapter 2, The Super Bully of Smallville. Super Brat grows up to become a teenage super bully. And Chapter 3, Superman vs. Super Menace. Super Bully grows up to be an adult Superman. Super Menace. Superman and Super Menace clash in a super battle you'll never forget. Their story opens on the planet Krypton, moments before its destruction, as Jor-El and Lara put their baby son in a rocket to send him off to Earth. On the way, the rocket has several perils, just barely missing asteroids and other space things out there. But once it actually collides with an alien spaceship, bouncing right off the nose of it, The alien spaceship shoots a beam at the rocket, and now there are two identical rockets heading towards Earth. One of them, of course, lands right outside Smallville on a farm, on the Kent farm. The other, outside Metropolis, where the rocket is found by a mobster couple known as Wolf and Bonnie Derrick. As Wolf approaches the rocket, he thinks that it's his old gangster mobsters trying to get back at him. And he's in hiding, and he's at his big mountain retreat. And he thinks they've sent a rocket, and who's they're in it, and they're about to jump out and get him. So, uh, of course, he gets his machine gun ready. And when the rocket smashes open and a baby comes out, he shoots at the baby. Which is, you know, what you would do, I guess, if you're a gangster. So Derek takes his Tommy gun and... And the bullets, of course, bounce off baby Kal-El, the little baby in the rocket. Good heavens, it's, 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 it's a baby, and it's indestructible. Wolf, save me, it's a baby monster! 
says Bonnie. Don't talk stupid, says Derek, says Wolf. Can't you see? It's friendly. I think he was sent here from another world. Wolf takes the baby into his home. Later, when uh, the baby falls asleep, Wolf says, Bonnie, we're going to raise this kid like our own. We'll pretend to love it so it will trust us. And then when he grows up to be a superman, he'll obey you and you will be the king of gangsterland. time passes and we shift over to Smallville where the other baby is adopted found and adopted by the law-abiding loving parents known as the Kents we have a grave responsibility Martha we must teach our son to use his great powers for the good of all on behalf of justice meanwhile at the Derrick's home hey pa look at him teasing that kitten with his super breath. Isn't super brat cute? That's right, boy. Don't feel sorry for anyone. So then they actually make a little cell and teach the baby brat, super brat, to break the bars and get out. And they put a little mask on him now. So now he's wearing a little figure eight, little domino type mask, a little Robin mask. Makes some dummies and teaches the little super brat wearing his little mask and his super suit, how to fight cops. So he's smashing into the dummies of the cops. The real kal however, is being taught by Martha how to obey the laws. No, son, do not walk across the light. The laws are there for our protection and safety. You must obey them. So right away, we see the difference early on in the lives of the two identical super babies. And then one day, when we get to uh, one day at the retreat, Bonnie's looking out the window with her binoculars, and she sees a car full of gangsters coming up to the mountain retreat. And she says, Wolf, oh no, look out, the old gang, they're coming to to, uh, probably rub us out. So Wolf says, okay, fine, well, hold on, I'll tell you what we're going to do. You know what we're going to do? I'm going to take the kid, which he does. So he takes Super Brat to the edge of the mountain tells him to pick up a boulder which he does and throw it on the car which he does super brat throws this huge boulder down the mountainside and it it hits the car and the bad guys jump out of the car and run uh you know like little roaches they get in the way so wolf picks up the kid he's really happy he says hey way to go kid that's the way to do it you know and he's thinking i'll teach this kid everything Well, then they also, in the next one, they see that the kid is learning to fly. But he's yelling at him. So Wolf yells at him, hey, you stupid kid. Be careful. You're going to knock down every tree up here. Bonnie reminds Wolf not to get too upset. If we want him to do, we have to pretend. Right. So the kid runs off on his own at one point uh, to England, actually, to a big museum and robs the place as a super baby, little baby. Then he flies around the world. He also flies to Paris and robs an armored car. He's doing all kinds of stuff like that, just on his own, flies, and then his supervision kicks in, and he says, ooh, pretty, me want blah, blah. So, yeah, they talk, baby talk like that. Remember in DC 60s, uh, Silver Age, uh, Bizarro and babies all talk the same. It's me instead of I, so 
Uh, he can't say, I want pretty, the pretty rock. It's me want pretty rock. Okay, so his supervision kicks in and he sees us on another planet, so he flies into space, as little babies do. And uh, uh, on this other planet, there's a, a whole bunch of people and they're praying to their big cat, which is a big, big monument cat, and its eye has a big red stone in it that's probably, um, you know, two feet tall maybe or more, bigger than the baby. So he picks it up, takes it out of the eye of the cat or off of the forehead of the cat, knocks the cat over, makes all the people run. Bonnie and Wolf are all upset. They think the kid has just left and run away, that they've lost their super meal ticket. When, boom, he flies in with the big stone and the rock and says, me found this for you, blah, blah, blah. And Wolf is pleased, but then he says, now, remember now, you can't do this stuff out until it's ready, until only when I tell you to do this stuff from now on, okay? Okay, Daddy, me understand. Well, the super brat tells his father that he says, okay, well, he promised he would, he didn't promise that he would stop doing things like that and getting into trouble, but he promised he wouldn't be seen doing them anymore. So right away, he flies away again and goes to uh, a place and he sees all the kids are playing in the nearby town in big snow and they're making snowmen and having a good time. And he's all upset that he can't join in the snowman games as it were so uh he goes to the top of the mountain and builds huge 50 feet tall 30 feet tall snowmen two of them and then pushes them down the hill so it looks like these two big huge building sized snowmen are coming down to the main street to attack. And people are, oh, no, we're being attacked by snowmen, giant snowmen, look out. And everybody's running. And then as he flies high above in the clouds watching, Super Brat at the last second uses his heat vision to then melt the snowmen. So it just turns into a big wave of water. And people just are so confused that they don't know and they're all wet now and stuff. And he's just laughing. But then later that night, when he's at at home, you hear this as babies are want to do. He's crying. He's crying really loud. And uh, Daddy Wolf, Wolf Derek, goes in to see what all the loud super brat crying is. And uh, he sees super brat has broken his little piggy bank thing. And he's crying. So uh, Wolf comes up with the idea of giving him a new bank, and he tells him how to do it. And Super Baby then secretly drills a tunnel underground to, guess what? Yes, a bank, and steals the entire vault, brings it back home secretly. I don't know how he did it quietly and secretly without alarms and jet, but... And then uh, uh, brings it back home to Wolf and Bonnie, and they're thrilled. And then uh, Super Baby rips the front door off, and now Bonnie and uh, uh, Wolf, well, they're rich. Yay. End of part one. Chapter two, The Young Super Bully. Many years have passed since our last chapter unfolded. 
Super Baby has grown up to become Superboy. He's still unaware that an equally superpowered duplicate of himself raised by Wolf and Bonnie Derrick exists, and that his duplicate has been taught to live a life of crime and learn to hate all that is decent in life. In this chapter, the path of the two super beings cross. Standing atop a hill outside Smallville's super bully is using his super breath. I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your town down. He's using his super breath to cause like a windstorm through downtown Smallville. He said he promised his father, he said, I promised Pa Derek I wouldn't destroy Superboy. I didn't promise I wouldn't destroy his town, though. So he's using his super breath, like I said, to try to, you know, cause some damage in Smallville. Superboy, the real guy, sees it, not super bully, but he sees the results of the wind being blown through the town and flies in and does a super thing and uses super speed and super uh, wind suction as he flies away to redirect and save the wind and save the town. Super Bully thinks to himself that he has secretly watched Superboy and hated him for years. The only thing I like about Superboy, thinks Super Bully, is his costume. In fact, I like it so much I've copied it, including the S. Now heading home, he decides to play a little gag on dear old Wolf and Bonnie. He takes off his mask and flies in their window. Oh no, it's Superboy. Oh no, help save me from Superboy. Ah. Help, Superbully, come save your ma and pa from Superboy. Ha ha, you sure look funny on your knees, pa. Superbully, put your mask on. If you ever scare us again like that, I'll... Psst. Hey, pa, shh, shh. Yeah, that's right, keep it cool. So, Superbully finally asks, Hey, Pa, how come Superboy and I look so much alike and we're the only guys on the planet that have powers like this? What's going on? I don't know, kid. And all the reading I've done, I can't figure it out either. Have no idea why you resemble that law-abiding creep. That's why you don't want me to polarize him yet, Dad? That's right. We need to keep it a secret. All right, I'll play along for a while, says Superbully. So Superbully decides to just, you know, be a little menace and goes out in secret with his mask on, of course, causing all kinds of trouble, goes to the zoo, throws animals around. He sees some criminals trying to escape with his, with, uh, with his x-ray vision. He sees some criminals digging a tunnel, and they have a hard time getting out, so he melts uh, a hole for them so they can get out. So he helps them get away. He blows out the tires of a cop car chasing them so that, again, they can get away. And then we flash over and we see a scene of Superboy, the real one, sitting thinking to himself. Here's the cover, actually. One day when I grow up, I'm going to be Superman, the greatest superhero of them all. Where on another hill is Superbully thinking, when I grow up, I'm going to be Super Menace and be the greatest supervillain of them all. And uh, one day, Bonnie is reading the paper and finds out that in Addis Ababar, <laughs> they found a meteor that has weakened Superboy, and it's called Kryptonite. Uh-oh. And gee, guess what? Here comes a meteor, and it's falling right outside their house. And here comes Superbully. Superbully, look out. That's Kryptonite. Stay away. It, 
And Super Bully just picks it up and says, what? What are you talking about? What's the problem? And they realize then, oh, great, Super Bully. You're even more powerful than Superboy. Superboy is weakness, is kryptonite. And you don't have that weakness. Woohoo! So after another lecture of keeping his identity secret and not doing these pranks out in the open again so he doesn't get caught, uh, Superbully promises, you know, okay, I'll lay off. I won't kill the kid. I won't do anything yet. But what, what, what Superbully hasn't actually told Bonnie and Derek yet is that he has been keeping up with Superboy. He's been following him secretly and knows that Superboy is also Clark Kent and decides to play a little prank on Clark. So he's watching Clark at school, and it just so happened that they had, were having a uh, in, in the chemistry class, and they gave Clark a very rare jewel diamond to, to hold. And Super Bully makes a huge booming sound by clapping his hands, which somehow uh, makes Clark have a reflex action, squeezing his hand into a fist, crushing the jewel, but thinks quickly enough to use his own super speed, super pressure, and the graphite from his pencil to then put the, the stone back together or somehow and fix it to thwart that plot. But this even gets Super Bully... You know, you know, he says, oh, that was clever, I guess. That was clever, but I won't underestimate him again. Then he watches Clark walking Helena home from school. So it's Clark and Lana, and he's thinking, that guy, he's got it made, man. He's got it made. A good-looking girlfriend like that, yeah, doesn't deserve her. So then he watches Superboy fly off, thinking he'll be away for a while, and thinks, well, I'll just substitute for him. So he gets a pair of glasses and puts on a blue suit. And goes to see Lana. Well, it just so happens that Lana says, Oh, well, Clark, won't you come in? I'm so happy to see you. And she says, I just have some new, I have some candy here. Wouldn't you like some candy here? And Super Bully, as Clark Kent in a nice, really nice looking blue suit, uh, says, Thanks. And he's thinking to himself, Hey, man, this guy's got it made. This, This is amazing. He's got it made. But then Lana, being her typical Lana self, surprise, it's kryptonite, and you're going to fall weak. And he says, what are you doing? What? Are you kidding? Thanks a lot. No thanks. I'm out of here. And he gets all upset and leaves and thinks, no, things aren't as cool as, uh, she's not as cool as I thought she was. I don't want anybody as suspicious as that. Ah, I'm out of here. So he leaves. Once again, now he sees he sees Superboy, you know, having some time with Crypto and thinks, this is cool. He's got a dog. I'm going to take his dog from him. That's what I'll do. So he takes his mask off and goes up to Crypto. And Crypto, of course, goes... And then it dawns on Superboy that, uh, uh-oh, he knows I'm not Superboy. Uh, he's got Super Smell. Uh-oh. And boom takes off and crypto takes off chasing him super bully eventually evades him and then realizes i'll have to be more careful in the future end of part two
Chapter 3, Superman vs. Super Menace. You have met Super Brat, mischievous little scamp, who, unlike Clark Super Baby Ken, has been deliberately taught to be lawless. You've also met Super Bully, who was Super Brat grown up into a teenage, dastardly, trouble-loving teen. Now meet the most evil of them all. For Super Brat has grown from Super Bully to an adult Super Menace in this final chapter. Superman and Super Menace in an unforgettable battle. Chapter 3 opens with a costumed character running through the Superman Museum, destroying all the statues and exhibits there. Of course, it's Super Menace. The next day, when people look at it and they say, Oh my, how could this possibly have been done? Yes, Super Menace is all upset, and he says he would love to break Superman into little pieces too, but he promised Pa Derek that he wouldn't do it until he gave the word. So, I'll wait. I'll just destroy these statues instead for now. Only someone with super strength could have done this, says the inspector to the museum curator. Someone like, uh, Superman. Hey, you don't think Superman went wacky and did this himself, do you? Soon, Supermenace strikes again. Hey, there's a, there's a space probe rocket streaking up from Cape Canaveral. I'll have fun with my super breath and blow it off course. Superman on patrol flashes in. If that rocket falls to Earth, it will cause damage and hurt thousands of people and hurt people's lives. Superman flies down, jumps on it, and rides it like a bucking bronco. Riding it away. Superman actually sings a song as he rides the rocket away. Yippee-i-o-ki-yay. Yay, Superman, yay. <music> Meanwhile, Wolf Derek has called a meeting of all the mobster heads the mobster heads <laughs> you know the bosses all the other crime bosses and they're all upset saying Derek this better be as important as you said it was because we're the crime lords Derek says would you call the death of Superman unimportant and they go Superman dead what are you getting at spill it and he goes ha ha first of all gentlemen see who we've got as our guest tonight. And at that moment, through the door, <coughs> crashes Superman, a la George Reeves, just busting right through that door. Ah, it's Superman. We've been betrayed. He pulled a fast one on us. Yeah, they think that he's pulled something. Laughing, Wolf signals to put his mask on. Then he says, don't be scared, pals. This is my kid, Supermenace. Super Menace, meet some buddies of mine. Show them your muscles. And he bends some steel into like a little pretzel thing. And he says, uh, hey, this kid of mine is even more powerful than Superman. Elect me king of the crime syndicate, and he will work for us. And I'll have Superman killed. Superman. 
What a deal, they said. Okay, we'll do it. Son, you've wanted to knock the stuffings out of Superman for years, right? Right, Pa. Well, I've got good news for you. Go ahead and get him, boy. Kill Superman. Hooray! Hooray! So, Supermenace flies away, and as he flies away, the mobster says, So, you found this super kid in a rocket ship and raised him as your own kid. That was smart, Wolf. Real smart. Chuckled. Bonnie and I figured that if we pretended to love that freak and hate the law, when he grew up, he'd help make me the king of Earth. Meanwhile, Super Menace has finally heard everything by because he looked back because he looked back as he was flying away at the crime syndicate and heard everything Wolf said. What? So they never loved me? A freak? Oh no. This is all I've ever been to them. A freak. While I was being taught to hate Superman was taught the re- the, the other way. I hate him for having everything I don't have. I'm going to kill him anyway. Soon atop the Rocky Mountains, Super Menace jumps up and down with all the tremendous energy in his super body. This'll bring him running. Super Menace's powerful rebounding actually starts to make Earth spin off its orbit. Great guns, says Superman flying. What is going on? I better investigate fast because he's flying up in space. He actually sees the Earth flying. Hey, You look exactly like me, except for your mask. Stop it. You'll destroy Earth. So they have a fight right there, and they realize that uh, that they're equal, that neither one, you know, they're throwing stuff at each other, they're hitting each other. You know, a boulder, a mountain, looks like here, uh, what is that? Is that the Eiffel Tower? Oh, it falls because they're hitting each other, so... Of course, that's how you always show that the Earth is messed up. So the Leaning Tower of Pisa tumbles over. For a moment, they stop fighting, and Superman uses his X-ray vision. Wait, your body, you're not human. There are no bones, arteries, blood. You're an energy force manifested into human form. Gasp, you're right, says Supermenace, and takes instant memory back. And he remembers exactly the moment he was created by the ship, a ship. Bearing an infant. I see. And he sees the the moment where the rockets, baby Kalal's rocket, hit the other ship and was duplicated. That accounts for your looking exactly like me. The only difference is that you aren't human. Not human. Sob. I hate your human body. I hate everything you are that I cannot be. I've got to destroy you. So, Supermenace stumps down on some uranium, triggering an atomic explosion. They're both still alive, of course. As they plummet back to Earth, Supermenace finally plays his ace. He sucks meteor showers to Earth with his super breath, super suction breath. And, of course, they're kryptonite meteors. He's sucking the kryptonite meteors down to Earth. And he says, Superman is hit and falls to Earth. He says, what's going on? You're killing me, but it's not affecting you. That's right, because I'm a force manifestation, the kryptonite doesn't bother me, but it will kill you. I've waited a long time for this, Superman. Again and again, the meteors crash against Superman. You're dying, Superman. And me, I'm going to sit right here and watch as you gasp your last breath.
great scene here, actually. Superman's image of him dying again. Kurt just does it. Ugh, incredible. Incredible. But as Superman watches Superman painfully gasping, his joy is over Superman's downfall. It kind of fades away. He says, I often thought I would enjoy this, but this, this is not fun. So he starts thinking back at uh, uh, Wolf's words about pretending to love him and playing him for a fool. If he lied about loving me, he could have lied about everything else, the devil. Superman makes a decision. He stands up, uses his super breath, and is burying the kryptonite meteors deep into the earth. And Superman says, why? As Superman flies off, we flash back and Derek is explaining, Wolf Derek is explaining to Bonnie that, well, I did it, I did it, sent Superman is finally off to kill Superman, the crime lords made me the king, I am the boss of it all, I'm the best, oh great, that's great, now we're gonna be rich, uh, what's this wee stuff, honey, you're too old now, I'm going on for the new stuff. What? What are you talking? Me? Oh, oh. yep. So, of course, he's going to have everything, money and stuff. Finally, Superman comes in on the two as they're arguing, and he says, I know the entire truth. I knew exactly what you did. I know what you did, how you pretended. It ain't true. I've always loved you. And then Bonnie says, hey, he hates you. He's told me a thousand times. Don't you lay a finger on me, you freak. Freak, freak, freak. They're yelling at him. My life could have been a blessing. But no, you twisted into something terrible. I am just a force manifestation. Soon he starts to glow and raise up, becoming pure energy, vowing to take Bonnie and Derek with him, which he does. Superman gets there just in the last moment to watch Superman's last moments as Superman's vanishes taking the two bad guys, Bonnie and Wolf Derek, with him and just fades into nothing. Thus ending the most powerful menace Superman had ever faced himself. Superman 137 from May of 1960. Nurture or nature? I think Jerry Siegel is pretty clear. In his mind, it's nurture. Now, I, you know, my I don't think my synopsis did justice to this story at all. I really do enjoy this story a lot. And, uh, you know, it's one of those from, from the childhood that you remember. But I have to, I have to tell you that uh, I, I think the first time I remember reading this story was not in the original uh, 10 cent copy, but in the first giant Superman, 80 page giant number one. It might have been called the 
80-page Superman annual number one. But this story was there. That's where I read it for the first time. And I've always loved this story. And I think it's interesting how they handled it. And now the story is told really from the point of view of the, uh, uh, you know, super menace, basically. It's, it's his story. So it goes back and forth. But for example, for every page of super brat slash super boy slash super menace or super bully slash super menace, for every page of the bad guy story, there's one panel of Superman Superboy, super baby. So, for example, they'll go on for uh, a page or two of Wolf and Bonnie teaching Super Brat, the little baby, how to do criminal things and attack police dummies and break through prison bars and steal a safe and, you know, all of those kinds of things. And they'll show one panel of Martha Kent with baby Kal-El. Uh, telling him not to cross the street against the red light because the traffic signals are there and the laws are there uh, to help and protect. Where Wolf and Bonnie uh, are teaching a little super brat how to break through prison bars and steal safes and using his strength to tunnel under stuff. You see one panel of Jonathan and Martha seeing little baby Kal-El pick up a sofa to get his ball, and they realize, wow, this, he, we have to uh, teach him how to use these great powers to help others. I mean, right, right from the get-go, Jerry Siegel's telling us where he stands. And then, of course, the baby can't wait to go out and do these things, so the super brat goes and uh, creates havoc, And then the father yells at him and makes him come back and say, no, wait, 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 that's okay. You know, Bonnie had to remind him that, all right, don't yell at the kid too much here. We got to hold on to this thing. So uh, Wolf would tell the kid that, okay, that's a cool thing you did, stealing that thing from those people and terrorizing those other. That was cool. But you can't let them see you do that. And you can only do it when I tell you to do it, okay? And I'll let you know. And trust me, I got a big idea. There's a plan here. So hang with me, okay? Okay, we're going to hang in there. So that's cool. And they'll do that for two pages of the Super Brat. And then, like I said, a panel or two of Martha and Jonathan giving the same but a positive life lesson to baby Cal L. Same thing when it gets into the Superboy years. But we really, again, don't see Martha and Jonathan there. But uh, by this point, Superboy is already out doing Superboy things. Superbully, as he is called, to distinguish himself from him, wearing the mask. But, you know, says that, hey, he likes everything about... So he hates everything about Superboy and his goody-two-shoes little bit. But he likes the costume, so he's copied it. And... Uh, to to be honest, this to me is where the, I, I I really started enjoying the story for me the most. The super baby stuff uh, was not you know uh, it's not my favorite part of the story. But this is where it really starts to me gets good because it's um, it's all about now super bully himself from his point of view, uh, and we see him spying on Superboy both as Superboy and as Clark Kent. He he understands Superbully knows who Superboy is, but it's something he doesn't tell uh, Wolf and Bonnie. 
either. So he does keep that himself secret. But what he does do, I thought it was a great scene of uh, and great timing and comic book coincidence, of course. Uh, Super Bully wants to steal his girlfriend, Lana Lang, from Clark Kent. So he dresses as Clark Kent, puts on a great-looking suit, and goes to see Lana. But Lana try, is trying to prove he's Superboy by exposing him to, to Clark to Kryptonite, not knowing it's Super Bully, who is immune to Kryptonite. And the tables get turned all the way around on this whole thing. Superboy, Super Bully, is actually annoyed enough at the way Lana was treating Clark, him as Clark, that he had enough of this stuff. I don't need that. That's that's bullpuckies. That's that's no, no thank you. So he's out. He's out of there. And says, you, you know, basically, Superboy, Clark Kent, you can have her. She's no thank you. Not worth it. But then he tries to steal the dog, and of course, Crypto can smell the difference, knows the difference, because dogs. <laughs> so I think the story really picks up here, and it's all about him creating havoc behind the scenes and trying to steal and uh, take over the life of Superboy, but it doesn't go well. And then, of course, as an adult, finally gets the okay from Papa Wolf to uh, go ahead, go ahead, take him out. And, and the uh, fight ensues between Superman and Super Menace. A couple of great fight scenes, of course. Kurt Swan, I think, does a great job there. So some really, really good fight scenes. And, and this, again, is where the story turns around. Super Menace finds out what he is, how he's been treated his whole life, and decides to go back to his true form of energy, taking his criminal parents with him, leaving Superman to be Superman. I guess you could also take from that, in the end, maybe he did turn good. I don't know. Did he? Was he? Was that doing a good thing? He could have turned into a good thing and just let Bonnie and Derek, uh, Bonnie and Wolf Derek go to jail. And then he could have continued as another super being doing good things. But he chose to go back to his pure form of energy, killing Wolf and Bonnie in the process. That's a great scene. It's a real nice um, third page center of the uh, comic of him kind of floating above, arms outstretched, glowing, kind of disintegrating Bonnie and uh, Wolf with him as Superman crashes in from behind just at that moment. So really good scene. Great. Kurt Swan, great story. But there you go. Jerry Siegel says it's it's uh, it's nurture. It's all about the parents' upbringing. Because one parent turned into a good guy, the others turned into a bad guy. But doesn't the being itself have to have the nature, the inherent nature to accept the nurturing? I don't know. But I think it's a great, great uh, philosophical question. It's a great story. And that's how Jerry did it. And that's how Kurt drew it and made an impression on me. I enjoyed the story. Uh, it's been reprinted in The Greatest Stories Ever Told. It's been reprinted in several places. And uh, so you can get it. You, you can find it. It's called The Two Faces of Superman. Good story. Two thumbs up. <laughs> so what do you think? Nurture or nature? Is Superman the good guy because of Ma and Pa Kent? Or would he have turned out to be a good guy? Would something else have happened to kick in? for him to realize that uh, 
all of that power has to be tempered. Interesting. But for right now, thanks. I appreciate you coming on board. I appreciate you listening. And that'll do it. Till next time. See ya. Superman is based on the original character appearing in Superman magazine and action comics. Superman copyright, DC Comics. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Superboy, created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Superbaby, created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. If there was any music in this, it was in there just for fun, just you know, to enhance and, and to have some fun. And the copyright belongs to the individual copyright holders. I make no money on it. None whatsoever. Mm-hmm.